0: Oscar-nominated Minari is the latest movie from Lee Isaac Chung. It is a movie about immigration and the American dream. And it is told in a way that is quite different to how movies approach those subject matters today. And the movie benefits from that. It is bathed in almost this beautiful glow of hope and optimism, even when hope and optimism is failing. The central relationship between the grandmother and the son holds the movie together beautifully. And it's worth remembering how funny Minari really is. The relationship between the mum and dad is allowed to drift, just as love does drift in real life. And before you know it, it's too late. My first gripe with the movie is that the daughter's arc doesn't feel complete. She feels like she's meant to be a guiding light for the son, but that doesn't really come across in the movie. The, The movie could also have done with probably one or two more scenes at the end just to tie everything together. Irrespective of that, it's fantastic and worth the Oscar nomination. I highly recommend it and give it four and a half out of five. So a slightly different rapid-fire review today and our first documentary, Once Upon a Time in Venezuela, directed by Annabelle rodriguez Rios. The film first came out in January 2020. The documentary focuses on a small fishing village of the Congo Mirador on Lake Maracabu. It charts the effect of political corruption on people's livelihoods and the devastating economic and environmental consequences that untamed power can have on everyone, irrespective of what political power they support. The first thing to say about this documentary is that by taking its time over a seven-year period, it allows you to realize and understand the slow-ticking time bomb of corruption and the inertia it produces in society, often leading to the erosion of life for those at the bottom of the ladder. The decay that sets in when governments consolidate power, but at the expense of the will of the people, is on show at the smallest level. It pulls back the curtain on blind faith in strong men, especially those with a powerful populist message. One of the central individuals in the film is Miss Tamara, a staunchly pro-Chavez supporter, who has a shrine dedicated to the former leader. She is unflinching in her support for the former leader and his chosen successor, Manduró. Her work at the committee level intersects with the support of the opposition party and a young lady who runs a local school, Natalie, showing both the good and bad in blind faith. Miss Tamara's faith in her party, in her leaders, remains unchanged. A final thought on one of the positives of the documentary. Polarisation can lead to the assumption that everything an individual enacts will be inherently wrong because of their political allegiances. A characteristic that we can all see is getting worse in today's society. Miss Tamara is only trying to do what she believes is best for her village, using the mechanism she feels will get the quickest results. Very critical truth to remember that it is possible to believe in different political ideologies and still do good things. The movie does a good job of letting this concept breathe. It is a shame then that the documentary has a few issues that stop it from being great. It would have been far better if it had allowed one or two other people of the village help propel the story forward, providing context and commentary to what is taking place in the village. Moreover, as we come to the conclusion of the documentary, we are left with a number of questions that feel like they needed to be answered, especially in the context of Miss Tamara. Sadly, we did not get these, and therefore the end was allowed to meander to an ending that felt preset by the directors. Part of this, however, must be contextualised in the access a filmmaker may have of certain individuals and events in Venezuela. So for what it achieves given its boundaries and barriers, the documentary works and provides context to an ongoing tragedy too few of us know much about. Nomadland is by Chloe Zhao, who also directed Songs My Brother Taught Me and The Rider. Now the first thing to remember is Chloe Zhao wrote, directed, produced and edited this movie. And that is an amazing achievement, especially when the output is this good. Sometimes when people have that kind of singular creative decision making, it doesn't work out so well. But that kind of vision in this movie is absolutely perfect. The movie has an element of starkness and beauty that you often don't see at cinema anymore. And it reminded me a little bit of Wind River that came out a few years ago, even if the subject matters are very, very different underpinning the whole direction of this movie is a sense of transition and momentum and that's so important because essentially that's the journey of our central character called Fern. Now Fern is played by Frances McDormand who again excels. She really knocks it out of the park. She brings an element of beauty and grace to her role that you often don't see in movies these days. There's a subtlety to the way she transitions throughout the movie and again she carries it beautifully. It's often said that the A-list celebrities are disappearing in terms of Hollywood these days. But Francis McDormand is one of those that you still go and watch a movie and know you're going to get a certain level of quality, and that is to be applauded. Now, the central themes of the movie are really about transition. Can you move on from a past? Can you really let go? And the movie does this great job of just very subtle moments throughout each scene, suggesting that our central character is edging towards some kind of transition. It may be slow, her decisions may be infuriating, but you understand why she does them because you like the character. And again, this is because of Frances McDormand's acting and also the directing by Chloe Zhao. So the first real stickler for me was that some of the supporting cast felt a little bit uncomfortable, especially in the early scenes as you're getting used to the movie. However, I had to check myself a little bit because it turns out that actually a number of them are nomads themselves. And so you can't expect them to be fantastic actors, and at the same time, they bring a realism to the roles that maybe wouldn't be there with people who have not gone through what they've gone through. So the question is, is it the best movie of 2020, 2021? That is really difficult. It certainly has the best cinematography, and I do think it is the best directed movie I've seen in the last year or so. So I do think Closier should take away the best Oscar. And again, it's hard to argue that Francis McDormand wasn't exceptional and wasn't better than any other actress that I've seen this year. So I would be okay with them winning both of those Oscars. But there is something that does stick with me, and it is the tiniest, tiniest thing. It does feel a little bit like I'm watching something I've seen before. Like there is something that it's not quite unique. It ticks all the right boxes, but it doesn't tick any new ones, say like Promising Young Woman or something like that, or even The Sound of Metal. Both movies that I don't think are as good as this movie, yet still did something different. So it depends on kind of what you want to see in a movie. Because for me, this and Minari stand out. But at the same time, they're probably doing the same sort of thing that you may have seen before. Anyway, I can't recommend this movie highly enough. Take a box of tissues because you will cry. Uh, Watch it at the cinema because the landscapes are so beautifully shot. And be prepared probably to watch the best movie of the year.